Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show with your host, Nadia Khalil. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Today is July 5th. Yesterday was the 4th of July. We had a lot of booming going on last night. It was actually pretty cool. It, it's funny because it sounds like um, we're here and, and it was just enough to have the 4th of July, but we actually had a, a pretty strong earthquake yesterday, um, especially where the epicenter was. Um, you know, it was felt where I live, but nothing like it was where it actually, the epicenter was and it was under it because there it knocked down like food from grocery shelves. It started fires. And it really shook the people up there. But, you know, nobody was hurt. Everything can always get fixed. But you just never know when they're coming. And then we had, like, they had some crazy number, like 80 aftershocks. And I think I only felt one. So the aftershocks diminish, hopefully. Because sometimes the earthquake we felt is the foreshock and all this other stuff goes on. So it's kind of crazy, but... We haven't had one in a while, so um, it's been crazy. They, they. I just read last week that we've been having different um, little mini earthquakes, like 2.8s and 3.0. Those you can't really feel, and they kind of happen all the time. But we had, like, a lot of them, and it was in a succession. And so they were saying, hey, you know what, we've been having a lot of little earthquakes. And then yesterday we had a, a pretty sizable one. Um, it was out in the desert, thank God. There were no, like, tall, tall buildings and that kind of thing. But, um, wow, so surprise, 4th of July. Um, so, anyway, that's what happened. We're all okay. Every, everybody's okay. Nobody's really been hurt other than the fear and, and all the other things that start to happen. But today is Questions Friday. I did want to remind you guys I will not be here next week. I will be in Chicago Um for the week or not the whole week, but by the time I get back, it'll be too late. And it's so funny because when I leave, I can't actually do the the shows because my voice is so loud that when I'm in the hotel room, I, I actually disturb people. So I have learned that I can't do that. So I'm, I won't be here next week. Um, I have some questions though. And I have a question from Leah Gill and she says, why do we resist growth when we know it is good for us? Why do we resist it? And that's a good question. Do you ever wonder why when you know better, you don't do better? Or if you're scared to just be loved on your own? just for being you without a problem that you're causing or that's coming at you, that you can just be loved like that because you can. But something like that really goes deep into a self-worth question. Am I worth the change? How will I handle doing something good for me? Do I really, really want this change? Those are questions that 
we never really think to ask because we just think, why can't I? Why don't I? I'm a failure. I am resisting doing my best. I know I shouldn't eat that. I know I shouldn't stay awake all night and then get up and try to go to work. I know that I can clean my surroundings. I should sit down and pay my bills today. And a lot of times, those are like little things, but if you don't do those, it's going to be harder to get to the big things because our brain is like a system. It does one thing. And what does it say? One thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. And before you know it, you've changed without saying, I've changed. And then people will say, hmm, something different about you. It's a really interesting thing. But it always goes back to, can we handle getting what we want? Because there will come a day in our lives where we really want what we want bad enough. But if we're always chasing peace of mind and we don't land in peace of mind, we actually build a lifetime on a template that chases peace of mind. So that's what we're used to. That's how we know who we are. The whole self-worth issue, there is um, something that happened when I started filming the classes. The first class that I'm doing or did already is um, self-love. It's it's not out yet. It's been in editing since they left. And some of the outtakes they sent me because I would just go into these fits of laughter because of things that I would do with my hands or whatever. It's just, or we would say, or we just had all this noise. And I'm like, can you guys really edit all this noise out that's happening around us? Because they were doing construction across the street from my house. But when I was talking, we were as quiet as could be. It was unbelievable. Even with everything going on around us, watching two people hear someone talk about self-love and hear somebody talk about self-worth. And not only talk about it, but, well, what do you do? What does that look like? How do you behave? And after every class, I had to give, like, an assignment assignment for, like, one week to the next week. And I thought to myself, gosh, you know, I'm not used to doing that, but I have to do it. And I'm so glad that they asked me to do it because now I built a model of how. So what happened? The camera girl and guy, while they were doing the class and putting it together, they took it. They did everything I said. And these people just came to film me. I mean, think about how cool life is. And now they're saying, oh, my God, my whole life has changed since I've seen you. 
And one of the two of them was really mad at me because her life changed. Because once you know something that's true, and this is another reason why we resist growth, we can't get away from it. It's like you can't unknow a truth. A truth is a truth is a truth. And once it hits your life, like, hey, I do this to myself. I've been blaming people for doing it to me all these years, and it's been me. I've been doing it. Talk about responsibility. Because acknowledging what we do and how we do it and why we do it, if it doesn't make us feel good inside, then the only other alternative is it makes us a little bit uneasy and sometimes a lot uneasy. And then we start to feel bad. Then we start to feel like we let ourselves down and then we depress. Our passion starts to squash. And that's what happened. And what did they ask me for after that? Because the one of the two said, what did you do to me? And she was not happy. She gets back home and she feels like nobody knows what she knows. She felt like she'd gone back in time and what's going on? So they asked me a question and they said, can you do another class on how to handle ourselves once we know these things? And I didn't realize, if you've been following this show for the five years or over five years now, or read the book anywhere in these 17 years, you start to feel those openings, those resistance going away. And then all of a sudden, the growth really starts to happen. Not just because you know it is good for you. Like the question asks, you know, how can, why do we resist growth? But the self-worth issue that lives underneath it starts building into worth. Hey, you know what? My life is worth that. Not just I'm worth it alone. But now when you say my life, it changes that scope of responsibility and it changes the scope of what it means. It like reframes it in some ways. So I'm going to when I get back from Chicago. But I also did a second class, which we none of us expected to do. But when they saw me interacting, they said, you have to do a parenting segment. So that entailed another two weeks of filming. And they stayed. And I was up for it. And we did it. And as I was talking, again, objectively, my life deserves this. My relationship deserves this. And, you know, I'm at an age where I have a lot of people that I know that call me all the time saying things like, Oh, my gosh, 
I went to the doctor and I found this out and I found that out. Now, all of a the sudden, their life gains a perspective. And they may be a little scared here, but there's this thriving thing that happens about taking care of yourself, taking care of your life, putting your stuff in order, making sure, you know, and we start thinking the things that we say, gosh, this was so easy to do. Why didn't I do it before? Because sometimes we need a stimulus. And sometimes that stimulus looks like an issue. But that issue brought to light your awareness of where your life stands and what you want to do with it. So we resist because sometimes we don't know how to handle happy because we don't know what we are worth. It's not like we have this self-worth that's down in the dumps. Sometimes it's as simple is not even being aware of being aware of your self-worth and why that's important. When Christ told me that by the time people in a big, I want to say wave, find me, they will be starving for this information. And at first I'm like, What am I going to be telling them? And 17 years later, I know what to tell them. But the truth was, I was starving for this information. I've been looking for this information all my life, even before I saw Christ. Now, when I look back, I think, well, that wasn't so far-fetched that I saw Christ. And I thought everyone would want to know. And I had no idea I was going to get the whole buffet of returned fires and people who who think I'm way better than I am and I'm just a person and people who want to attack me for who I am. And I'm like, hey, my life is still my life. I don't know where you came from to think you're going to come in and try to ambush my life. Take care of your own. Jeez. No one can own another person or possess another person, but somehow we believe we can. Or people who think they know you better than you know yourself. You're like, wait a minute, I'm still working on knowing myself. Isn't that my job? Why don't you work on you knowing yourself? But that separation, that objectivity I got came through working through myself. Because when I realized how much work it was for me to face myself and not resist growing, not resist changing, someone who would say that obviously could not even have a clue as to what it took to take care of themselves or they'd never say to someone else, I can completely take care of you or I completely can see every single thing you're doing. And I'm like, wow, I can't even do that. How do you do that? You're not even with me all the time. Very interesting. 
very interesting world. But at the end of the day, you are you. Nobody can make you do anything you don't want to do, for the most part, on the emotional level of how you feel. And if you're resisting growth, ask yourself why you don't feel you deserve that growth. Even better, ask yourself if you have a hard time being happy. People have that happiness guilt. In relation to that, there's a question in the chat that says, why are the most staunchy religious further away from God than anyone? Even atheists seem to be kinder than those. It's just being realistic. Sometimes when we go to very strong religions, it's more a culture, it's more a structure, it's more, you know, this person's better than that person without saying that. Look at, they come to church all the time. They give, they give their time. They do this. Look at, they're like model citizens of this church. It's just another community at this point in time. Once things start to become a parody of themselves, we generally have outgrown them. And time has not caught up with all of it yet, but boy, it's really, really done a lot of work in the last 17 years since I've even been aware of it. And I know because I wanted to be a good Muslim. I wanted to be good at whatever I did because I wanted to give my time the respect that I was giving it to be good at what I did whatever it was, whether I was going to school, I wanted to get good grades when I was learning to be Muslim, but I had to learn to be Muslim. Think about how we didn't even know what that entailed, except maybe a few outlines. And then somebody had to teach us how to be good Muslims. And I thought, oh, okay, that's what I am. That's what I have to be. No questions asked. I did it. I wanted to be good at it. I wanted my parents to be proud of me for it. I wanted the world to be happy with me for it. But then I was like, why are we doing this? Before I did this, I felt closer to God. I felt closer to the people I was with. Now, it's like nobody understands us but us. You can't mix with those people. Who are those people? There's a lot of those people. Well, you could work with them, and you could do, but when you come home, this is who you are. And now I'm split into two people, the person I am and the person I have to be. That did not work out too well for me. Because I found out all the people that I was trying to be like weren't the people I was trying to be like. It was like everyone had a double life, and no one would talk about the truth. Because for some weird reason, we thought God couldn't see us when we weren't doing what God wanted us to do. Kind of, it's kind of funny. So why do we resist growth when we know it's good for us? It all goes back to the value we put and how we feel about ourselves and how we feel about our lives. And that's where the real assessments are. The end result is, you know, why can't I? But instead, 
I would say, how can I? How can I not resist growth? I want to feel good. I want to feel better about this. Things don't happen to us. Things don't happen to us. We bring, we create, we draw, we decide. It all goes back to self-accounting. So I hope I answered that question. It's a great question. It's one I either get or see quite regularly, but thank you. I have another question from Christopher, and he said, the body-soul is a confused issue in origins of truth. In origins of truth, God made people bodies out of matter as a tool to hold souls in it. However, take a step back. Where does matter come from? This is ambiguous in OOT. How many of you read the story of how God made the body in Origins of Truth? We have to have a place to put the soul. The minute the soul is done, what happens to that place? It stays here. It doesn't go anywhere. We only need the body while we're here. That has become absolute common knowledge to this day. We've learned that people now, when I first saw Christ, we were not talking about celebration when people died. We would cry. We would go. We would cry. We would feel bad. And now we say, you know, they lived a good life. We start to see it. We start to see it. We start to see that even us, you know, when I die, please have a celebration. Know that I lived a happy life. I had parents say that to their kids. So what happens in this question is, I don't know what you mean by ambiguous. I know that Christ talks about us having a body. I remember him showing me a visual of just bodies. And you choose one, you come in. But you have to start out as a baby. So no one can be born without coming through another person. That's that's something that's even more than enough to let you know that. I don't know how to answer your question of however to take a step back. Where does the matter come from? I don't know that answer. I don't know how ambiguous it is. It was enough to satisfy my level of understanding And maybe if I understand more of that question, I can answer it for you. But everybody has the same tools. Before a soul enters a body, everybody has a brain, eyes, ears, a head, arms, feet. You know, unless there's a deformity or disability, because I know that there's people who will say, well, what about? Well, what about it? It's it's something that's different and we deal with it. But for the most part, we all have the same features. 
And until a soul comes in it and that body has life, we don't, it means nothing to us. It means nothing to us. When I saw my mom leave and I turned around and I looked, it didn't look like my mom anymore. It just didn't. She was different. And my dad died in the hospital. And I actually did not see him pass. So I don't, I don't know. I only saw it once, and I, I completely knew what Christ meant. Of course, we're made out of some kind of matter. Every single thing is made out of matter. But where does it come from? God? I don't know. And, you know, sometimes we, we kind of talk above life, like, you know, God made people's bodies out of matter as a tool to hold souls in it. That was enough for me. I did understand that. I don't go into how come the light turns on for in some things. In the mind, I do that. But in the body, in the other stuff Christ told me, I don't worry about how I turn on the light, where all the wiring came from, and how it looks inside the walls. I don't know that. So I'm sorry I can't answer that part of the ambiguous question that you believe is in Origins of Truth, because I don't, I don't know how to answer that question, other than what I saw and what I knew. Because when you ever study the body, whenever that happens, it is an endless field of knowledge. You have a blood, a whole blood issue. You have a whole vein map. You have arteries. You have all this stuff like we could not, we could not get that far in creating something like that. That's the mystery. That's the beauty. That's the love. That's the amazement. That's the faith. That's the believing. And there's a lot that we can do that we don't even know we can do yet. There's a lot that we can do that we don't even know we can do yet. We're researching. We're finding out. We don't even realize we can heal ourselves. Some people are figuring it out. Some people don't believe it. Some people argue about it. People are still arguing about eating organic food or not. Oh, organic foods are farce. And I'm like, why do you take a stand on that? Just eat the other stuff. But we need to question. We need to argue. We need to push that envelope. We need to, you know, be the devil's advocate say, why do we do this? And why do we do that? And, and always picking at everything to the point where it's exhausting. But that's what we're here to do. Otherwise, we're not going to grow.
but there have been baddies. I had a conversation with someone yesterday who told was telling me that they trace back animals and people to one kind of organism, one kind of species. And I'm listening, and I said, no, nah, that's not how that works. And I know for sure, because I saw it, and Christ told me, and that I knew. And I knew that people were never animals, and animals were never people. We were always people. People were born people, and animals were born animals. And animals are, are run by pure instinct. They know exactly what to do, and that's all they know how to do. They don't eventually learn how to walk and talk and get a cell phone and sit at a couch and watch TV. And they don't know how to do that, even up until today, because they only know how to do one thing. We have bodies that are made in a completely different way to do other things, like talk, research, think, go back past what we know, have faith. Know there's something bigger. Know there's a magic here. Know there's a miracle here. And the miracle is the fact that we can walk, talk, see, work, think, grow. It is amazing when you really think about what the real miracles are. If you lose your sight, you realize what a miracle sight is. If you can't hear, same thing. If you find out your health is compromised, same thing. So appreciate who you are. Appreciate what you know. Keep growing. Have a great weekend, and I will see you guys on the 15th. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.